0: It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro.
1: Here we go. WFO. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. WFO Radio Podcast back on the air. If you're watching on YouTube, WFO Radio TV, subscribe, click the bell. All other social media, share, retweet, repeat, get it done. The NHRA countdown has begun. I'm Joe Costello. You can follow me, WFO Joe, on various social media as well, Twitter and Instagram. Fresh back from Maple Grove, Reading, Pennsylvania, in the Mopar Express Lane, NHRA Nationals. Wow,
0: what a race.
1: What a race. Tommy Johnson Jr., the super subs. Going out there and getting the job done. Way to go, Tommy. We're going to hear from Tommy later on this week. I'll tell you about the schedule for the week. It's going to be compressed, to say the least. we got Billy Torrance later on today, 2 p.m. Eastern time. So we're doing multiple streams today, starting off, as we always do, with the voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhart. We're going to debrief the race, talk about the results. Billy Torrance, Tommy Johnson, Greg Anderson, finally. Finally, gets it done. 97 career wins. How about Brian Loans? 97th heaven. Great call on that one. And then Steve Johnson. Steve's going to join us tomorrow. Greg's going to join us tomorrow. Tommy's going to join us tomorrow. Billy's going to join us today. Billy, Billy. And, of course, Alan Reinhart just seconds from now. We're going to recap the race. It's great your comments, put them in the comments section. We'll walk, walk and talk our way through this whole deal. I do want to shout out to the people who have supported the show over the course of the season, really appreciate the folks at Frank Holly's drag racing school, the dragster adventure where you can drive a dragster. You know, when you advertise on WFO radio, it's about repetition, right? Like one of these days, we're going to break you down. You're going to realize you need a cool gift, the last sec last second gift. And you're going to go to frankholly.com. You're going to get a certificate to send one of your friends or family members or a great client or a perfect, salesperson, uh, a trip to the dragster adventure at FrankHawley.com. They're going to have an experience of a lifetime. You're going to look great. Go to FrankHawley.com to check it all out. Find out more information. Total Seal Piston Rings. We're doing another Total Seal Trackside Tech Talk this Friday. 1 p.m eastern time in the pits at z max dragway in the total seal pit yeah this is a new deal we're going to learn about ring seal we're going to learn about honing and sportsman racers and engine builders and interested fans are encouraged to stop by the total seal pit and participate i'll be there lake speed jr going to be there uh ed ed uh, Keebler from Rottler is going to be there And your questions will all be answered. You'll find that at Hidden Horsepower. We're also going to be doing a new episode of Hidden Horsepower later on today. But it's all an exercise in informing the public that you can find some power in your engine with Total Seal Piston Rings. Check them out, TotalSeal.com. Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. We always say it, start your education at full speed, right? If you're a relatively young person, notice I don't say a young person like you're 16 because maybe you don't know. What you want to do, let's say you're 25 or 27 or fresh out of the military, and you're thinking, man, I want a career that I can, I can have my whole life. That's what SamTech is all about. Go to the website. They're approved to train veterans under the GI Bill, samtech.edu. Blockhead CNC programs, motorsport, EFI tuning, very important these days. Check it all out at samtech.edu. And then there's my buddy, Marvin Rodak, Rodak's Coffee and Grills.com. The hot sauces and the spice rubs and everything good. Coffee roasted fresh. Per your order, it shows up. You have the Rodax experience. It's just great. Uh, Give them a call, 817-924-6821. That's a real number for a real person who does business the old-fashioned way. There's no drop-down menu where you put in your order. You actually talk to Marvin, and you might get a little drag racing talk in there as well. Shout-out to our friends at Nitro Fish, where you can get the 10th anniversary WFO Radio t-shirt in our own WFO store. I'll tell you how to join our VIP listener club a little bit later on in the show. But now... Now, it is time to talk about race one of the NHRA playoff system known as the countdown, the Mopar Express Lane NHRA Nationals, with the man who called the race the voice of the NHRA,
0: Alan Reinhardt. What's up, Alan? Hey, Joe. Just uh, meandering my way down to Charlotte. I'm somewhere on a random side of the road in Interstate 81. I don't even know where I am.
1: That's great. Well, it's you lost in America, Alan Reinhardt. But what are you doing though? Are you seeking out like the world's largest ball of string, a couple of trains that fell into a sinkhole somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania? Like what? Come on. You always do something. What are you doing on this one?
0: Uh, well, yesterday I actually went to chocolate world, uh, which is a mm-hmm. pretty interesting deal in, uh, you know, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, went, uh, did the tour and, you know, checked out the facility, and there's a trolley ride around town where they you know, show you the Hershey this and the Hershey that, and uh, uh, had some candy. It was, uh, it was it was actually it's it's really kind of a neat deal. And uh, I don't know if it's pandemic related or if it's just Monday related or if it's whatever, but uh, the place was really not very busy, which makes it great because you know standing in line isn't nearly as much fun as just going. Hey, I'd like to do that. Okay, five minutes. <laughs>
1: <Let's go.
0: laughs> exactly. And, uh,
1: What about the uh, aroma? Everybody always talks about that uh, part of the, you know, the town like you. It smells of this most amazing chocolate everywhere you go. Is that, in fact, reality?
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, when we're part of the deal where they have this old time trolley that's really a diesel truck, but it looks like an old time trolley uh, and you're cruising through town and they're talking about this and that. It's like, okay, well, we're at the corner of Chocolate Avenue and Cocoa Street. And uh, it's just the whole town is chocolate themed and chocolate everything. And it's pretty cool. It was, uh, it was certainly well worth the time spent to head over there and, uh, and check it out.
1: That is great. No, that is excellent. And uh, something that's on a bucket list of mine. You know, there's a couple different layers to the bucket list, uh, but I would like to do it. They did a special on Hershey on the, the food that made America, you know, that kind of spinoff of the men who built America on history. And they talked about the, uh, you know, the process of making the original blend of Hershey. And uh, to think that that is still the blend to this day, that is pretty
0: amazing stuff. I, I didn't you know, mention Speaking, Steve of, speaking of bucket list, do yes. you know that everybody in the world – has the same last thing on their bucket list. Everybody.
1: Here we go. All right. Let's hear it. Kick. <laughs> ah, Kick. Kick the. And that's it. <laughs> that's
0: it. That's going to be the last thing.
1: Ah, I know. I know. Well, you know, I'm bucket list. I had never heard that until relatively recently, like, you know, 10 years or so like bucket list. What the heck is that? And now I get it. And now it's just taken over as the term. Things you want to do before you
0: die. Yeah, well, you know, they came out with a movie about it a few years ago, and I think that's what uh, really mainstreamed everything. But, Uh
1: Makes perfect sense. Monica checking in and out there. Uh, Facebook user, uh, Lehi, Maddie. I saw Maddie at the racetrack this past week and learned a lot from the Total Seal group. Says unknown user. Yeah, that's going to be great. Another Total Seal tech talk. How are Capco killing DSR? This guy wants to know how Capco are killing DSR. We can talk about that. Uh, hello, Joe and Alan. Everybody just wa- welcome, uh, welcoming us at this very special time. Like, hey, maybe this will be a good time when Alan's on the East Coast, right? 11 a.m. Because this guy doesn't even care about me. He's just up with the people in the chat. Alan he doesn't even care about us but uh, Monday morning racer is out there he's liked and shared appreciate that Hershey PA cool Uh, Sarah out there hung out with Sarah and Bob Z out there that was great sending condolences to Alan your thoughts and prayers that was a big part of this weekend Um, the audience knows about your you know follows your Twitter feed knows about what you're going through and so uh, obviously from WFO to you um, you know you terrible tragedy you uh, you soldiered through the weekend as I knew you would and um, you know what? What can I say other than uh, we appreciate you and and you know your family.
0: Well, I, and I appreciate that. And just you know, so I, so everybody knows there was um, I don't know if misunderstanding is the right word. Uh, I was adopted at birth, um, and my birth mother passed away on Thursday. Uh, I had just met her ten years ago or twelve years ago. Um, it's certainly a bad day in life, but my mother who raised me this wasn't that woman and and so you know a very nice lady that i had a relationship and was kind of getting to know passed away um but it wasn't the woman who raised me and i don't know, you know that's why i try to make the differentiation you know the, the the woman who raised me the woman that made me peanut butter sandwiches and put bandages on my knees and all that kind of stuff um that was a terrible day when she passed uh, this was a bad day but and, and i hope that makes sense i mean, it, um,
1: it does. You know, it, um, it, it to me, it, it makes. It still
0: sense. was a very bad day, but for me, it wasn't like, "Oh my God!" It's it's, it's just this very nicely that I had recently got to know and started to have a relationship with passed away, and so it's it's still a bad day, but it's uh, anyway. I hope that I hope that makes sense.
1: It makes sense to me. I understand where you're uh, where you're coming from, and but but nonetheless, still. Um, you know i it's it's a, it's a little more complex situation but i get where you're coming from regardless uh but the good news is you were surrounded by your uh drag racing family and we had a best great drag racing system out there yep. it really is right like and and you know you've been telling me this for years and years and the longer i'm out there the more i understand it like this is a uh, You know, there's the family you're given and the family you choose. And this is pretty amazing, just the way everybody is so supportive and rallies around. And the September 11th tribute, uh, you know, what a nightmare that was 20 years ago. And starting off with uh, the Compulink system, welcoming everyone, thanks to uh, Bob Brockmeyer and Dave Moan, putting it up on the board. And like you see there and, and the thoughts we all had. And then you did a great job with the tribute. And Sammy hit the ball out of the park with the national anthem, you could hear the emotion, like genuine emotion in his rendition there. Um, I, I, I don't know. It just made me feel up until that point, I'd been kind of dwelling on it. And as crazy as it seems, I was able to move into the race after what you guys did.
0: Well, and you know, that was the whole idea. I mean, obviously you're not going to ignore something like that, uh, especially since the timing of the event you know, we were on our way to reading when nine 11 occurred, I was ready to fly out on nine 12 uh, when the race got canceled and pushed back. And then when we came back, uh, which was the first weekend of October, uh, the weekend we were at reading was the weekend that the retaliation began. And we made that announcement Sunday at the racetrack that, you know, as I speak, I literally I said, as, we, as I speak, you know, American planes are in the, air, in, in the air and. So to go back and have the race fall on 9-11, you know, certainly needed to be addressed. But I also think it didn't need to be the theme of the weekend. You know, we're here, we're back. We certainly haven't forgot. We're dealing with some big issues in the country right now. Let's acknowledge that. And now let's go racing. One of the things that I I said back then, uh, and I said again this weekend, sports has always had the role of being a distraction. know, whether you're throwing a ball or kicking a ball or hitting a ball or racing a car or whatever, you know, sports is a distraction and it allows people to take whatever's going on in their daily life, whatever stress, whatever, um, whatever issues and put them aside for a couple hours and watch athletes perform or watch the spectacle of sport or watch just the competition of sport. And put aside, like I said, you know your daily problems, your daily stresses, and just be distracted for a while. So, we acknowledged, you know, the the events from 20 years ago, and also the events that you know the country's dealing with right now. And then we said, okay, everybody, let's put that aside. Let's do what we came here for. Let's enjoy the spectacle. Let's enjoy the competition that is an NHRA Championship Drag Racing. And uh, the crowd seemed to respond very positively to that. And uh, I kind of felt the same way. It felt like you know this is something that we we can't just ignore it. We must acknowledge, we must, and then let's move on. And that's exactly what we did.
1: That's exactly what we did. And uh, it was just interesting, the conversation throughout the weekend. Um, You know, it's a never forget kind of thing. And there are several and many, and uh, we will carry it with us. And, you know, we will get stronger because of it. And uh, I like to think we are. But let's talk racing. And and let's start off with Top Fuel with our guest that's coming up at 2 o'clock, everybody. You know, you notice that Alan is at a a different time, a little pre lunch WFO. Billy uh, could only do it at 2, and so we made this work. Thank you for doing that, Alan. Alan's on the East Coast, as you know. Uh, Let's start off with a little Billy Billy. I have been thinking about Billy Torrance as a potential rival to Steve for the championship. I'm curious to ask him, like, you know, you're going to run all the races, yes, are you, you know, you never know with Billy. But um, Brittany Force had the car to beat. Brittany and Billy in the semis. Brittany drops the cylinder. She did a good job driving, had a 69 light. Billy was alongside with a 50, dropped a cylinder. Billy wins, goes to the final against Justin Ashley, who has been percolating, right? Like looking like they're working on something. Mike Green has got a great resume. They get through Steve in a, in a pedal fest in the semifinal. Justin Ashley puts a 30 on Billy, but then... Uh, you know, can't get there, and Billy drives around.
0: Well, Justin did a great job in the semis. When that thing went out there and tried to smoke the tires, and he saved it, uh, you know, Steve was having bigger problems in the other lane, so Justin ended up getting a win at 4.08, which nobody saw coming. Uh, You know, Brittany dropping a cylinder, which nobody saw coming. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I didn't hear it, but I heard somebody said that, you know, Billy legitimately, after he won, said, man, I sure hope I don't have to race Steve in the final because I think he, like everybody else, is going... That guy's just a buzzsaw. You know, he'll, he'll run over me just like he runs over everybody else. But uh, it ended up being Billy and Justin, and that also makes the points very interesting. With Steve and Brittany both going out in the same round, Brittany gained a bunch of qualifying points, so she closed the gap a little bit. But then Steve and Justin all of a sudden moved from seven and eight way up to where they are in the mix again, and it uh, looks like it's going to be fun. So it was just great competition. You know, when we had four cars or five cars qualified in the 460s, you know, Brittany daylighted the field by 300s, but then we had four cars, I believe, that were all qualified at 3.69 something. And the competition was like that two good lanes, good weather, good racing. That's all we need.
1: Yes. Two good lanes, good weather, and uh, great racing. Simple as that. And just throughout some really interesting uh, matchups and runs. Yes, we did have short fields, but. Honestly, I'm kind of over that storyline, like, oh, short fields, you go on the social media, right? Uh, Oh, short fields. Wasn't thinking about it at all. When we get down to the second round or to the final four, everyone's a hitter. They all belong there, and it can go anyway. We saw so many great individual races uh, in this race. But now you mentioned the point standings. Uh, Steve leads Britt by twelve, Billy by forty-two, Justin by fifty-five, Leah by sixty-six, Antron by seventy-six. Langdon is in the mix at seventy-seven. Langdon getting himself a round win on a day that was brutal, with his on a weekend that was brutal qualifying wise, and uh, you know puts himself in there. They just you know you got to pull a rabbit out of the hat. You got to go a couple of rounds in the countdown, get to the semifinals, maybe catch a break. Anything is is possible, but I really believe it's going to be the usual suspects. It's, it's Steve versus Britt. Billy as a blocker, maybe he'll, that's what I'm going to ask him about. Like, Hey, how much of your own desire to win the championship is there? But you know, Britt and Grubnick, like they continue to get better and better. They missed in the semis, but they continue to impress That's 65. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I, David was out walking the track early on Sunday morning. I mean, really early. And so I was up, you know, doing my announcer fan email stuff, and I just walked down there and was chit-chatting with him a little bit. You know, he mentioned after he ran the 66 uh, on Saturday night that it wasn't supposed to go that fast. He said, we're going to go back and look at it and see. And I said, how close was it? He said, oh, it was right on the edge. He said, it was like teetering on making it or not making it. Uh, but Sunday morning, it was cool. Uh, the racetrack was cool. So the performance was there, but he looked I mean, felt pretty confident that he could send her car down the racetrack and and put a good number on the board. Not saying he was going you know confident he was going to run away with everybody, but he was very confident that he could send his race car down the racetrack, make four good runs, and classic you know somebody's going to have to beat him. Uh, and then in the semifinals, for whatever reason, she hit the gas and it put a cylinder out. And you know when you're down 1,250 plus horsepower, uh, and the other guy's not, it's going to be a long thousand feet. And that's basically what happened. I mean, you know, Brittany drove it down there and. Uh, just didn't have enough, you know, when you're down, when you're down a thousand horsepower plus, then there's not a whole lot you can do.
1: Can you elaborate? I know we haven't done a nitro school in a long time, but you know, what would they look at to know that it was right on the edge? Like when it goes down and it's a great run, like what's the, what's the parameter that they can look at to say it was right on the edge?
0: Uh, usually the drive shaft graph, if the drive shaft graph is nice and smooth, uh, then you know you're in good shape. If the drive shaft graph is fluttering a little bit, then that tells you that it's trying to pull the tire off. Uh, you know, the cars spin the tires all the way down to racetrack, literally all the way down to racetrack. And if you watch, especially from the top end shots, when the top fuel cars and the funny cars are up in the top end of the racetrack and they're still doing this, it's because they're spinning the tires. They still got 6,000 pounds of downforce, but they're spinning the tires. And you have to be you know right in that window if you've got 100 traction that's not going to work very well and obviously if you spend the tires too much that's not going to work real well and so that's the one of the most important things you go back and look at the graph look at the drive shaft look at the rear wheel speed and you know was it safe or was it trying to pull itself loose um, and you know like i said david said at that point it was right on the edge so they came up with a car that looked to me like it was very under control all day on sunday and then hit the gas and put a cylinder out and you know that's the things are so close to the edge all the time anyway, because if you're making that much power and going that fast, you have to be pressing, you have to be up against it and it doesn't take much. You know, I got, again, a couple of things in my announcer email that, you know, oh, well, you know, what, why would they do that? They didn't try, but because of the way the cars are and because of the way that they are so edgy, you know, you go get in your street car when it's 65 degrees, turn the key and drive it. And then you go get in your street car when it's 80 degrees and turn the key and drive it. Can you tell the difference? A nitro car can,
1: yeah. and
0: you've got to make adjustments for that. You know, it's it's one of the most interesting things I think, and it comes up all the time. You know, if you ever want to win, a, if you want to win a beer from somebody, on a hot day when it, people are struggling getting down the racetrack, and a bunch of people are smoking the tires, and something happens out there, and a guy two pairs back decides he's going to change the blower pulleys, he's not going down, he's going up, because as the weather goes away, you need to increase the blower speed so you don't drop a cylinder. You can pull the clutch back, pull the you know pull the ignition timing back. you can do all that. But if a guy's changing pull- blower pulleys in the staging lanes on a hot day, way more often than not, he's going up 1% on the blower or up 2% on the blower so it doesn't drop a cylinder because you go up there knowing that this is going to be what our air quality is. And so this is what your, our jetting is going to be. This is what our fuel curve is going to be. If the air deteriorates and you don't adjust for that, you're going to drop a cylinder. And you can't pull the nozzles out of the cylinder head and change them when you're in the staging lanes. The only thing you can do is put more blower in. Um, so that's what they do. And it you know, you're so close to the edge all the time anyway. Uh, and I don't know exactly what happened in that particular case, but it was very obvious. When Brittany hit the gas, it had a wet pipe by the time it went past the Christmas tree. And that was pretty much that.
1: That's was that. So Billy goes to the final, Justin Ashley gets around Steve. Steve is not going to sweep this countdown. The six race countdown sweep will be the uh, still the greatest countdown of all time, but uh, it's, it's going to be close and I'm going to let it develop a little bit more. See where we are. The good news is we get three in a row right at the start, right? We're headed to Charlotte. We're headed to St. Louis. We'll know a lot where we are when we have half countdown uh, or almost halfway completed. Uh, we'll know a lot. Uh, I expect the Capco boys to rally back. They were chasing some problems in qualifying, had a blower, uh, idler, uh, pulley breaking, kicked the belt a couple of times. Certainly saw that. Um, we'll see. That's what makes it exciting. It's a new race.
0: Well, if, if Steve had gone out and won the first two races, then I think, you know, it's just like, okay, let's watch funny car. Um, and I still think he's the team to beat. Like you said, you know, he and Brittany, it, it, it looks like, you know, Steve, Brittany, and then everybody else is a step or a step and a half behind. Uh, so, you know, I'm certainly not writing him off, but I think it makes it more interesting if he doesn't go out and win the first two or three races, That's like, okay, now we've at least got a fight on our hands. We've got something we can talk about. But I still believe that uh, he's, he's the man to beat.
1: People appreciative of some of your emails out there, uh, the front wheel speed graph, uh, etc., um, that's cool, the graph that Alan has, et cetera. Very good. It's going to be interesting. I think Justin Ashley has come here to play. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they were in contention throughout the countdown. But, yes, it's been Steve Torrance the whole way. Can he just reaccelerate away from the field once again? Even with Brittany, you know, the best she's been. The number one qualifying string. What is that, seven in a row now? That is a very rare situation. I think it's only happened four Never other Never been guys. done before. Never been done before?
0: Not in the same year. Nobody has ever qualified number one seven times in a row in the same year. Uh, Gary Beck once qualified seven in a row at the end of 83 and the beginning of 84, but not in the same season. So, uh, you know, we'll see if they can keep that going. I I don't see any reason why they'd stop. I mean, it's not like they've got a tenth on the field, but they always seem to have a hundredth and a half or two.
1: They always have a hundredth and a half or two. All right, well, let's shift over to Funny Car. Uh, we'll talk more Top Fuel with Billy Billy at 2 o'clock, and hopefully everybody will be sharing the show or sharing the feed on YouTube. Cruz uh, Pettergum, oh, look at this guy's getting a phone call in his hotel room.
0: I, I told him I was going to hang on one That's
1: Let's answer it. Mr. Reinhardt's yes. office. No, I'm going to put put Alan down there right until I get the signal like we're going to invade on his conversation. Shout out to everybody out there. Really appreciate all you folks in WFO radio. We'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. You know, not everybody can watch the show on YouTube or Twitter. Everybody that's out there retweeting on Twitter. Thank you so much. It's been amazing to watch you guys all uh, share the show. If you're a fan of NHRA drag racing, you know, now is the time right now is the time where we want to bring in new listeners. What was that about? They're coming to kick you out of the room.
0: Checkout's 11. Okay. I called the front desk and I said, I have a conference call. I have to do at 11 o'clock. With oh, that'll be fine, sir. No problem. So now they're calling to they want know if I'm going to leave. I said, I called and asked. She said, Who'd you talk to? I said, Whoever answers the phone at the front desk. What do you want from me? It's Holiday Inn. I'm sorry. Next time I'll document it.
1: Listen, if they come in and they drag you out while we're on the <laughs> air, <laughs> it would probably be really good for WFO. So just scream and yell a lot and then we'll make the, we'll clean it up after the fact. Let's talk funny car. Where? Cruz Pedragon, number one qualifier, gets a buy run for the first time since like 1993. They're running. Only the second it. one he's ever had. That's incredible. They are ready to go out there and win a championship. Uh, Cruz gets into JR second round. And I got to tell you, Alan, I was eyeballing that one from the start because Cruz was very um, you know on on Brian's NHRA Insider podcast, which I, I like to promote all the podcasts out there because the way I look at it, the more podcast listeners, the better for everybody. Cruz and Brian had a great uh, candid conversation, and I know that the community was a buzz about it, right? Like Cruz, kind of like mixing it up out there. Well, now Jr. and Cruz have to run each other second round, and Cruz is trying to roll it in deep, it would appear, and Jr. got the jump and beat him. And that led to a top end, uh, let's uh, let's call it just a disagreement, right? A disagreement, the kind of thing that everybody has been saying that our sport needs. Here it is again. I don't know what the the feeling is about it, but I was right there. And, uh, you know, two adult competitors disagreeing about something that happened during the competition. That's, that's part good. of sport.
0: That's good. You know, I said it a hundred times, right? It, everybody says, well, you know, they get out and they're, well, that's a great team. And they hug and, 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 and well, these guys didn't. And, you know, some people now are buzz about that, but you know what? Good. I don't care if they don't like each other. I don't care if they want to argue about it when they get in, or when they get out. I don't care if they want to have staging battles. Let's see it, you know, bring it. And, and it's all part of it. You know, Cruz, uh, Cruz and I had a couple of discussions when I basically, you know, I don't know if called him out is the right word, but that's kind of what he thought about deep staging. You know, when he would beat somebody on a whole shot or have a superior reaction time. And I would explain, well, the reason for that is because he did this. And he took a little exception to that. And he told me, he said, So what? There's nothing in the rule says I can't do that. There's nothing, you know, I've got seven inches up there on the starting line. I can do whatever I want with that seven inches and everybody else can too. You know, if their crew chief or their owner won't let them, that's not my problem. Tell them to go get their own team and then they can do whatever the heck they want. But that's my space that I can do whatever I want with. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not breaking the rules. And if the other drivers don't like it, good, I'll get inside their heads. And, you know, it's it's part of his race strategy. Force has been doing it for 100 years and continues to do it. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a very good thing. Sometimes it works. Sometimes I think it comes back and bites you in the tail a little bit. Uh, but if Cruz wants to do that. And Jr. wants to take exception. Um, You know, I don't know if, you know, Cruz felt like Jr. was messing with him at Indy when he was blipping the throttle or when that, I don't know. And I don't care, but I hope, I really, really hope that those two race this weekend uh, in a big round, you know, maybe in the semifinals or maybe, you know, maybe even in the final, I hope those two go head to head where both of them feel like I've got something to prove to that guy as a driver. uh, And it should be fun to watch.
1: Well, Exactly. Exactly. All right. So when Steve and Cam got into their deal and Steve snuffed them and everybody immediately freaked out and talked about, let's let's get the police out there to arrest Steve Torrance and bring him up on charges, it made me really sad. It made me really sad about the, you know, people out there and the judgment, but it also opened my eyes to the way people will ask for something. And then when you give it to them, reject it and go in a different direction, right? So uh, these guys just had a conversation. I do believe that Cruz, you know, the the, what happened in Indy, the podcast, the boil over, the losing to Hagen and Brainerd. Like all of those things, maybe just boiled up with the intensity of the countdown. People don't realize it. Yeah, it's just another race. It's it's not a big deal. It's just a what did what did Billy call it? Loser appreciation program, right? Nah, it's it's a different deal. Everything is magnified, and I think it it went over. Jr. handled it well. He didn't take he didn't take it. He fired back. Cruz didn't get physical. He just you know you guys talking all the time. It was just um. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was great. That's what we need. That's it's an, it's an intense competitive rivalry. And everybody that blew up my phone afterwards seemed to agree completely, but in the end, it wasn't about those guys. It was about Tommy Johnson jr. And John force and Tommy, the super sub Cinderella story. He'll be joining us tomorrow on WFO radio. What a great story, Alan. Like, let's just talk about him. You know, when force won national events over the five decades, Tommy has won over five decades, right? It was his win was in Super Gas in the '80s. But Tommy Johnson, an underappreciated driver who gets it done, drove for Snake, drove for Bernstein. Since he's a paid driver, he is a hired gun, a professional funny car driver. The way the sport is, where you got to bring money and you got to do this and you got to do that, you know, there are fewer and fewer when it comes to talent and ability. If anybody had any doubt this weekend puts it to rest toe to toe against caps. They both poke it in there. Tommy wins. Uh, you know, what can you say about Tommy Johnson jr? This, I think cements his legacy as one of the greats.
0: Well, I don't know that it needed cementing, but uh, yeah, it certainly reinforces a little bit, you know, what, what Tommy's done over the years. And one of the other things that I don't know that, you know, he hasn't won as many races as Ron caps or as Hagan or as force, but Tommy also is really good on equipment. He's got such a good feel for the car coming from the days when they drove, he drove for his family's team when they didn't have a lot of sponsorship. And then they did have some sponsorship and they did, but he's always been a guy that takes good care of the equipment. And he understands this race isn't winnable. Let's not tear up a car when we're going to lose anyway. Or this is a situation of it's not worth blowing up a motor. It's not worth... And so that's another thing that I think Tommy brings to the table as a driver is that he takes very good care of the equipment. But, uh, you know, Dickie Venables had had a great combination. How about the semifinals where all four cars ran 3.90 something? Uh, And then John ends up in the final against against Tommy and Tommy makes it happen.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. The semis was uh, someone had said. And it's all a blur for me right now, but like maybe that was one of the most entertaining semifinals we've ever had. 3.90, Tommy over Jr. and John over Robert and John Force. There are people who are tired of hearing the name John Force. And I get it, right? It's been 40 years, but then you know, beat him, beat him. No, beat him. Someone beat him. He stages up against his own car. Robert Hyde goes out there, sees, launches, goes down the racetrack. Who got there first? John Forrest got there first. And even in the final, like John made it a great race, 3,000, staging with the headers, sure. But that's that's the game. That's the game. It's not shallow stage, everybody, and see who's the quickest. It's get to the finish line first however you can. And I just felt like when Tommy came around the corner, he beats John. John gave him a nice tribute. Matt Hagen has got to be super stoked. I, I want your opinion on that. But um, this was like, kind of like a, in spite of the countdown, in spite of everything else that happened, it was a bit of it, just a magical one-off moment in drag racing. The time that Tommy Johnson won a race as a substitute and beat all of the best.
0: Uh, two, two things that I think were really interesting. One, you know, when John raced Robert, uh, John rolled it in. There's absolutely no question. You can see it on the video. You can see it on the time slip with a 60 foot clock. That car ran at certainly an 88, maybe a high 87, even though 90 comes up on the scoreboard because of the way he staged it, what difference does that make lane choice? Would that have been a difference in the outcome of the race? I have no idea, but if John stages shallow goes up there and runs 87 or 88, would that change Dickie's thought process going into the final? And I don't know, you know, it's it's one of those just. You can ponder it until the end of time, but this is what happened and this is the way it's going to go down in history. The other thing that I thought was really interesting, the last time anybody can remember a substitute driver coming in, especially in the funny car class and winning a race was when Whit Baysmore crashed his motorcycle.
1: Dale Poldy, and Dale
0: Poldy drove and Dale won the race. And Dickie Venables was on that crew. Yes. How crazy is that? Years ago. Amazing. And uh, you know, obviously, the, what the big difference there was that Witt had never won a race to that point as a driver, and so Dale Pulley came in as a sub driver and uh, and ended up winning. And if you don't think that gave Whit Baysmore some pretty good incentive to get this leg healed and get back in my car, because uh, he was back in a hurry, and I hope this does the same thing for Matt. I uh, I sent Matt a text the other day said, you know, hey, look, don't want anything, just hope you're feeling better. And he said, I'm battling through it, and so hopefully we'll see him back soon.
1: Yes, I communicated with Matt as well. He says he's improving. Um, but this isn't a broken leg. This is something different. And uh, regarding the protocols, let's uh, talk a little bit about that. Tommy's win, amazing. The whole the whole race it was just so great. Uh, top to bottom, we had that extra, uh, you know, shouting match and all. But when you look at the point standings and you think about the championship. Um, you know, Force leads by five over Hagen, 15 over Caps. So they're all inside of a round. JR 39 back and forth. Robert 51 back. That was a very important round to John Force right there. Like, that was a very important round. Tasca 66 back. Cruz 89 back. Then Alexis, Wilk, and Blake. Let's talk Wilk for a second. Like, wow. It's uh, Wilk said Welcome that. back to reality. Well, but right. Missed opportunity. Fast car towards the back of the points, needed it. And he said his foot went three, four times, and he held it back. And as he's holding it back, the light came on, and he said he was frozen. He goes, I was frozen up there. And uh, that's drag racing. That's drag racing in this countdown situation.
0: Well, to be fair, John also stepped up big. You know, John outran him. It's not like he lost because, you know, he was late and lost on a whole shot. John outran him. And when we spoke to Danny Hood on the starting line about, you know, hey, how could you suck so bad in qualifying and then jump up in round one and do something like this? And he was pretty candid. He said, we weren't very far off. He said, even all our qualifying runs, he says it's not like we were completely lost. He says, we're just missing just by a tickle. And they got up there in round one and, and made the right tickle. And the car did what it should have done uh, in qualifying. So, you know, it definitely was, you know, but a surprise on, on Tim, who had a great car in qualifying, three solid runs and, and looked like, you know, he was the favorite again. But when you go up against John Force, you know, do you ever consider yourself the favorite, even if he did qualify way down in the bottom of the field? Uh, so yeah, that's the way it is. You know, you're the hero one week and, uh, you know, you're eating lunch and packing up early the next week.
1: Yes. This guy wants to know if Wilk repaired his hot rod or bought a new body. No, they repaired the one they've got. They've got two bodies now, but one is a repair job from a few weeks ago and I I just want to mention before we move on Tommy Johnson uh, in the interview a couple of really cool emotional things happened. obviously mentioning his dad who passed away earlier this year Tommy Sr. was a friend of uh, everyone that I know and did so many great things had fought cancer and beaten cancer and wrote a book about it and the book you know helped a lot of other people um, number one and so it was great to see Tommy get the opportunity to win one for his dad Uh, you know so if Like, if this never goes anywhere else, right, and drag racing, you know, drivers who get paid, uh, if Tommy doesn't get the opportunity again in the future, he's still got to do that, right? And another thing, I don't know if you got to see this or you know about this because it kind of happened after the TV show went over. But down at the finish line at the top end, uh, the snap-on guys, like several of them came down to see if Tommy won. And I was I was like, hey, what are you guys doing down here? And they're like, Tommy Johnson is down here. And if he wins, we want to be there for him. Like, we love that guy and we respect that guy. And when Tommy won, like right after TV went off, they mobbed him. And the bond that was created between that team who is now crewing for Cruz Pedragon because the Make-A-Wish car went away, they still have a very strong connection to Tommy Johnson Jr. And it was like um, one of those family type situations. We were talking at the start of the show, like maybe people didn't see it. Maybe people don't know about it, but those guys made a point to be down there for Tommy when he won the race. And it was a pretty special deal.
0: Well, you remember they finished second in the points last year to Matt Hagan. And those guys were together for a long time. They won a lot of races together and they still have that bond. And I think that was cool. I actually asked Tommy about it when I had him on the stage, uh, when we were doing the interview for the fans up on the starting line, you know, I said, I was really looking forward to you against your old crew, if you guys both got that far. And he said, oh, don't think I wasn't thinking about that. And uh, he said, that would have been an interesting moment, but both of them would have been in the position where, you know what, my job now is to beat you. It used to be our job to beat them, but now it's my job to beat you. And he said, if they had won and they had gone on to win the race, I would have been thrilled for them. And he said it was really touching for him when he got out of the car and realized those guys were all at the top end of the racetrack because they were rooting for him as well. So, you know, those bonds don't go away just because, uh, you know, sponsorship can't be procured. And, you know, it's also a pretty small world out here in NHRA. And so who knows, you know, two years, five years down the road, who knows? Um, But but those bonds don't go away, especially when you've been battle tested as much as those guys have. You know, they were in the championship chase every year. I think they finished top four, or top five, four years in a row. And, you know, you know, good. I mean, I think it's cool that those guys still have so much respect and like for each other that they still root. As long as you're not racing me, we still want you to have a successful day.
1: So countdown wise, though, Tommy gets the points for Hagan here in race one as a sub. I get it. But. You know what's the policy like how many races do we know like Hagen's gonna have to produce a positive test i mean a negative test result and from what i hear i'm not a doctor but i watch a lot of uh, various news reports sports reports this has happened with athletes jimmy johnson got a you know a false positive last year mr race he was back the next race because he produced a negative test result that was kind of it i'm assuming that's the situation here so you know two races, fine, three races, four races. Like how many races can he still get points for Matt Hagan? And do we even know that?
0: I don't think we know that, you know, there, uh, there wasn't a cut and dried policy as far as I know, put in place when NHRA made the rule last year that if somebody couldn't compete because of a positive test, a substitute driver would be allowed and the points would still go to the team. And the reason for that is very black and white. If somebody's tested positive, but they're not showing symptoms. Do you want them to hide it and come get everybody else sick? Of course not. You want them to go home, you know, to make sure that they're okay to work. You don't want them coming to the races and potentially infecting uh, other members of their team or fans or anybody that they come in contact with. So the policy was put in place. Now, to my knowledge, there was never a, you know, you can only do it for one race. You can only do it for two races, And I don't know that you could, I don't know that you could do it that way anyway, Uh, simply because of the way the schedule is, you know, let's say you said, okay, you know, the maximum is uh, three races that somebody can fill in and gain points. Okay. In this case, that's three weeks. At some points during the year, three races could be seven weeks. Now, does that mean you get penalized more because you got sick at the wrong time? Um, And so I don't know You know, I don't know how you would make that cut-and-dry policy, but uh, having a discussion with somebody online actually earlier today that said, you know, there's no way, you know, points have always gone with the driver. They said, you know, this would be like a boxing match when in the third round they put in somebody else to fight the fourth and fifth round, and then the guy came back in. I said, no, it's not. Boxing is one-on-one. Drag racing is a team sport. Right. And I really compared this to the Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago when Carson Wentz played all regular season, got him into the playoffs, and then got hurt. Nick Foles comes in as a substitute quarterback that won the Super Bowl. Would you tell Philadelphia because your quarterback didn't play those last three games, you don't win the Super Bowl? Of course not. Right. It's a team sport. And even if one of the big leaders of your team goes down, if you have somebody that can come, you don't penalize the whole team. Now, having said that, the rule, yes, has always been points go to the driver. If somebody breaks their leg and can't get in the car, sorry. But this is a case of an infectious disease that nobody wants to spread. And you don't want to give somebody incentive to hide that because they need to come drive the race car. So I don't know. I don't know if they're going to say, okay, two races, three races. I don't know. Uh, at this point, I really hope that Matt gets better that uh, Matt gets his negative test and gets and gets back in the car. Uh, will it happen this week? I have no idea. But I'm sure it'll happen before we get to the end of the season. And in the meantime, I don't think it taints the championship one little bit because of the circumstances. You know, how many things did we do in 2020 that we've never done before because the world has changed and you've got to change along with it?
1: I uh, accept all of that. And I think that, you know, maybe Matt Hagen isn't the champion then. Maybe it's the Mopar Express Lane team from Don Schumacher Racing. Maybe we need to stop thinking of team championship in terms of the driver um, because of this. Maybe it will change something in the sport. Um, But there are many layers, though. I got to tell you, uh, like the person who breaks their leg in the playoffs was definitely not doing the right thing for the team by going around and horsing around on a motorcycle, say, and endangered themselves and broke their leg. And now they're out. This is an infectious disease. But we do know that, you know, and I'm not saying any indictment of any individual. I don't know what precautions uh, Matt took or is taking. That's a personal thing. But we know that there are different, levels of precautions that different people are taking. Some are not taking any. We know that some are taking extreme precautions. And I I think that factors in as, as well. I I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm glad I don't have to make the decision. I'm going to watch it play out, but I do want to mention this though. You know, Clay Milliken, the guy had an inner ear infection. He could have been dangerous on the track. He made the very gut wrenching and difficult decision to pull himself out of the car and not lie about the situation, and he didn't get the points. He had he lost the points, and
0: he I know I hear, today.
1: Well, I hear that they're going to update the rule or going to change it. That was this year. That's defense, been,
0: the rule was the rule was updated. He would today, for exactly he, that reason. In the
1: because middle of the season, should he have made, retrospectively gotten them though?
0: He made the decision for his own safety and for the safety of the person in the other lane that he should not be in the car when he could have hidden that. And that's a positive. And the rule was changed. If that happened again today, then he would have gained the points that Austin gave got. But because at the time he did it, the rule was in place. They did not go back and retroactively, but they've changed the rule going forward. It's, it's a lot like, you know, the, the Bob Bodie, John Forrest double red light rule, you know, at the time that that happened, there's no question in anybody's mind what happened. Bob hit the gas before the tree flashed. Yeah. John hears, sees your instinct. Gotta go. Right. They were both disqualified because the rule at the time said, if both drivers leave before the tree is activated, you're both disqualified. Well, John was living, obviously, the discussions. And they sat down and went, you know what? You're right. We need to change that rule. But they didn't reinstate john into that race they changed the rules so that going forward if this happens again the starter now has the discretion to say that guy is out this guy is in and so you change the rule but you can't go back and change i think you have to enforce the rule that is in place at the time if you see the rule needs to be changed then you change it so that the next time this happens you're enforcing the rule that's in place you know, NHRA gets accused all the time of making up the rules as they go along, and that's not what they do at all. Right. You know, the rule book is this big. You cannot have every potential um, scenario laid out in the rule book. NHRA has a policy manual that is this big because over the years, all of these things that have come up, you know, in the situation where X, Y, Z, D, D, here's what we do. And a lot of fans, especially casual fans, don't understand or don't know. And when something like that happens, an NHRA goes back and says, here it is, black and white in the policy manual. If something happens that's not in the manual or if something that happens, if things have changed since then, then the manual needs to be updated. But at the time when it happens, you must enforce the rule that is in place. And from then on, if you think you need to change the rule, it's like you know, the John Ford Centerline thing a couple of weeks ago. You know, how many people are going, well, if you touch the wall, you're out. If you touch a block, you're out. If you touch the line, you should be out. Right. Then change the rule. Yeah. But the rule that's in place now says you can touch the line. You cannot cross the line. John touched the line. He did not cross the line. You enforce the rule that's in place. If you want to change the rule, then change the rule. But you don't change the rule and then go back and reverse the decision from yesterday. You have to enforce the rule that's in place.
1: That's a really good explanation of the situation. Um But they are similar. And I'm glad we updated the rule. And I did not, uh, you know, I can tell you that there are a couple people in the pit area that as of a few days ago, I don't think knew that the rule was updated uh, as well. But you can't, you don't want to incentivize lying about your medical condition. That's what it's all about. Like, hey, man, if I don't lie, then... I'm going to lose points and uh, put myself in a bad situation, et cetera, I lose my job, lose my championship. You want to disincentivize lying. Monica says there shouldn't be any limit. Like it should just go on, like you said, uh, with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, exactly. The team won the Super Bowl. Why do you uh, punish those guys, right, because something happened? Um, well,
0: you know, John like, Force. John Force will 16 championships. Is there anybody that thinks he'd have 16 championships if Austin Coyle wasn't there all those years? Right. I mean, it's always been a team sport. Yes, the driver gets the focus. Yes, the driver gets a lot of the credit. And sometimes the driver gets a lot of the blame that he doesn't or she doesn't necessarily deserve. But it's always been a team sport.
1: Well, maybe now is the time to make it more of a team sport. Take some emphasis off of the driver and put it on the rest of the guys and uh, make it exactly what it is, a team sport. Because, like, look at look at Cruz and JC and Ryan Elliott and those guys. Like, they are – that's a team. It's not a guy with some other guys in jeans volunteering, wearing sneakers. Uh, it's not what it once was. And maybe we're watching the sport evolve right before our eyes. Let's uh, Let's move to pro stock where there's a lot of questions. Greg Anderson, 97 wins. Ties Warren Johnson, defeats Erica. There's just so many great things to talk about. But a little, uh, you know, inside baseball, people were very curious about the big double DQ that happened on the starting line. And man, I get so fired up. I, I should never go on Facebook. Everybody, please go to YouTube and subscribe to WFO Radio TV, and maybe eventually will be exclusively on YouTube. Who knows? Because there's just so much, like, negative misinformation about that. NHRA getting destroyed because Alan Pruszynski went over the line twice, which is a rule and has been a rule for a long time, and they don't know the rule. But they're out there, like, lighting people up over that. Why don't you just let them race? Alan, please explain what went happened. I heard it got got very emotional down there. I didn't get to see any of it. Everyone's got questions. What, what happened?
0: Well, the rule is in place and it's not just pro stock. The rule is in place that any category that's allowed to cross a starting line under a burnout situation, you're only allowed to cross the starting line once. If you do a burnout, you cross the line, you come back and you do a dry hop and you cross the line. That's a disqualification. If you cross the starting line twice, no matter the circumstance, it's a disqualification. Alan Pruszynski came up the first time. Tires kind of dried out. The thing bit when he tried to do the burnout. It lurched. It went over the starting line. They pushed it back into the water because they really hadn't done a proper burnout. I said at that point, he cannot cross the line again. If he wants to go back and do a burnout, fine. But you cannot cross the line twice. Brad Hardy was emphatic standing in front of the car pointing. Right here, right? You can't, right here is what you have to do. He did a burnout and he crossed the starting line. Now, he didn't go 100 feet out, but it doesn't matter. He crossed the starting line. You know, you don't have to be 10 yards out of bounds. If you cross the out of bounds line, you're out of bounds. Now, while that was going on, John Gadosh over in the other lane rolled up. And I'm not sure if they like missed a signal, didn't see whatever, but he did a normal burnout, backed up, did a normal thing, and then pulled forward. And he was a whole car length past the starting line. They're both out. It's as simple as that. They are both out. If you cross the starting line twice, it's a disqualification. And we spoke to uh, Alan Brzezinski down on the starting line. And he's like, oh, you know, they could give us a break. We're a little team. We're just trying to, he said, you know, this is ridiculous. It's a rule. It doesn't matter if it's your team or if it's Greg Anderson's team. As a matter of fact, the last person I remember being tossed for this in pro stock was Jason Line because he did exactly the same thing, muffed the burnout. Rolled across the center line, pushed it back into water, did a burnout, shut it off. You're done. You're not making the run, and so it's a rule. And you know, he's like, "Well, you know, I tried to stop and I did." Okay, you know, every NFL player in the history of the world tried not to go out of bounds. You crossed the line, and you know, I'm grateful it happened in qualifying. And both cars did qualify; they were both there to race, so that's a good thing. Um, and I think that you know, a situation like that just reinforces to everybody that the rule is in place. And if you break the rule, you don't get to run. It's that simple.
1: Yeah, Michael Heiner's out there, right? Like, well, hey, man, we're a small team. You know, it's 632 cubic inches under the hood. Uh, Why not? Let us run, right? It's okay. Uh, That was just tough stuff, and a lot of people were confused about it. It happened in qualifying. And then out there in the comments in the social media world, well, the whole car didn't go across the line. It's just a miracle how people can, you know, more... Right, right. Well, it wasn't the whole car that, like, come on, people, let's evolve a little bit, okay? This is... uh, I was only read by 3,000. Come on, only 3,000. Let me go first. It was shocking. But but I did hear, though, that later on in the day, Alan, you know, they watched the video, they studied it in the trailer on NHRA.tv, and they amended their opinion. And so that's kind of a tough uh, moment for them. All right, let's move forward beyond that and talk about what was a spectacular yeah, cuz
0: they're going to throw they're going to throw me out of here in a minute so
1: rapid fire well actually that's why i'm kind of going slow i want to see you get dragged out i, <laughs> I want to see you get dragged out great for ratings okay eric anders goes through larry morgan chris McGahey... Dallas Glenn to get to the final, setting up a big final like we've seen this many times in the past. Greg Anderson gets around Gadosh, a seventh foul victory over Hartford in a razor clo- close race, a one foul victory over Troy Coughlin Jr., baby hole shot, setting up Clash of Titans final round, Erica versus Greg. This is it, the closing of the circuit. She, she beat him for her first win. He beats her for his 97th win. We've been talking about it forever. It finally happened. And um, everyone was happy for for Greg. And even Erica and Richard Freeman came down there and did the handshake and paid their respects to who is now tied for the greatest pro stock racer ever.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we we all knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. And I think Greg's glad to have it over with now. I never mentioned on the PA, never mentioned that he was chasing history until the final round because if he didn't get the final round, it doesn't make any difference. But uh, the, I think the semi was the big one. You know, when he had a two thousandths hole shot and then one on a one thousand hole it's like, you're kidding, right? I mean, when the lights come up and it's 26 to 28, if I remember correctly, and yes. I'm going, coin flip, two thousand. that's not going to be a factor. No, that was the determining factor. When Troy ran 1,000th of a second quicker, but Greg beat him because he had a two thousandths of a second hole shot. I think that was the pro stock race of the weekend. And, you know, Greg credit credit where credit to Greg has been driving better. He's been putting emphasis on driving better because he's been getting his tail kicked on the starting line and he knows it. And I think it's the same conversation. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago, the conversation I had with Warren a bunch of years ago, if your transmission broke and cost you five races, would you fix that? Well, you damn right. I would your driving cost you five races oh well that's just ridiculous you've got to put the effort into whatever the weak part of your program is and if the weak part of your program is you're driving i nobody thinks craig forgot how how to drive but you get distracted you get tied up with other things you get you need to go back mentally and you need to practice you need to focus you know steve johnson was on his pit bike on the starting line for a solid 30 minutes on sunday morning out there rolling up into the beams right real life practice going through the routine going this is what i need to this is you know whether it's your muscle memory whatever you're trying to do but and he ended up winning the race and if you realize that right now a weak part of my program is my driving you need to concentrate on making your driving better i think greg has made a conscious decision to do that and i think it showed up big time
1: uh, Damon says everybody else had to check out already. Alan, rules are rules.
0: <laughs> I, I called did. and asked. He he's, ask.
1: he's got special permission guys. Uh, he, he he ran it by him. Uh, so Greg leads the points by 41 over Erica. And that's the thing is those final rounds are 40 point swings. He got 20 more that she would have gotten. It's a 40 point swing, even if it doesn't show up that way. Um, Aaron Stanfield, 95 back Dallas clan, 99 back kid chaos, 107 back. Troy Coughlin, uh, all over 100 back. Um, Greg, Erica, it, this is going to be so much fun. She said she accomplished her goals. They want a semi out and let the chips fall. But if Greg's got what it takes and also winning that first race for Mr. H and the HendrickCars.com sponsorship, uh, going to Charlotte, right? Like And like uh, Kev says, maybe, you know, who knows what's possible now that he's broken through this milestone?
0: We'll see. I mean, you know, he's, he's certainly got more confidence now. And I said, he's driving better now. He's had the best car for quite some time, uh, even though he didn't qualify number one here this weekend. So, you know, let's go to Charlotte and see what happens. You know, that's that's one race. It really still looks like it's looked all year long, like Greg and Erica have the two best cars out there. Uh, you know, Aaron Stanfield obviously has a car that can win. Matt Hartford obviously has a car that can win. Derek Kramer's got a car, that, but Erica and Greg have the two best cars out there. And if I'm everybody else in pro stock, I do not want those two racing each other again in the final round this weekend, because it's going to be going to run out of races remember the pro stock guys don't have six more they have five
1: right and it's all versus those two exactly everyone's got to get after them first and second round otherwise they're going to just uh run away they're already got a nice lead okay we got to get you out of there steve johnson got to give credit to steve right he got a win earlier this year kind of went away for a while i wonder you know were they working experimenting whatever this race he had he was running with everybody that was fast he had great performance and he made the most of it. Gets through Jimmy Underdahl, gets through Scotty Policek, had an 013 reaction time to do that, even though Scotty didn't get down the racetrack. Had a 17 against Angel. Guy was riding right. The final missed it a little bit, but had Eddie covered by a 10th. And Steve Johnson, your race winner, and takes that and turns it into a lead in the points by 12 over Matt Smith, 36 over Eddie.
0: When you beat a Matt Smith and two Vance and Hines bikes, you deserve a trophy. And Steve did a good job, had a good motorcycle, didn't run particularly well in qualifying, but they figured it out Saturday night, figured, you know, hey, here's what we've been missing. Here's what we got to do. The bike came to life on Sunday. He rode well. Uh, And, you know, how crazy is it to say that Steve Johnson is not only the point leader, but he is a legitimate threat to win the championship? Absolutely absolutely.
1: Uh, we'll talk more about it as the week develops. We'll be in uh, Charlotte later on this week, Alan. We're gonna let you go because we know you're gonna get uh, dragged out of there. We uh, we can talk about the other race winners. I'll cover all of that. Taylor Iacono, like it was Italian day at Maple Grove. is really what it was. <laughs> it was Italian day. like look at the names of the winners, Alan, my goodness, Martino, Iacono, Sant'Angelo, Aragona, Fazio, and some others. But my goodness, it was Sons of Italy Day at uh, at the Grove. Great job. I appreciate you. I'll see you in a few days.
0: Thanks. If uh, When you're doing the interviews later on in the week, if you got an extra 30 minutes somewhere, let me know. I'll come back in. Maybe we can do the Sportsman Wrap-Up. All right. Thank you, Alan. Take care.
1: They want see you dragged ya. out. I don't know why. They want you dragged out. There he goes, Alan Reinhart. You guys are terrible, man. You want Alan dragged out. It would definitely be interesting to see Jeff saying something. The point wasn't that it shouldn't be a DQ, but more why make teams shut down and pull and uh, off instead of let them know after the round, it doesn't count such as redlining or crossing the line anywhere on the racetrack. Well, uh, that's a, a one way of thinking of it. And the answer is once you're DQ'd, you're DQ'd, you don't get to continue the process. You've done something to disqualify yourself. Like if you cross the center line or hit the wall, you're already going down the racetrack when you do something to be disqualified on the starting line prior to staging, that's it. That's it. Um, You shouldn't be allowed to have a test run uh, when you're disqualified. And I know people are sad. I I get it, but there are some elements of competition that have to be respected. And that was one of them. And, you know, I get way too fired up about the people out there on the social media who just don't really think it through. And then put something out there that people... I'll tell you a story in a minute. Let's get some comments in the comments section. And we'll be back 2 o'clock with Billy Billy. I will do more prolonged discussion after Billy Torrance later on in the day. I want people to be able to see this. And we're coming on at 2 o'clock. But let me tell you about the people who make it possible, like the Patreons. The VIP Listener Club. We had like 10 people on there chiming in watching live the ignition podcast. It is audio only. It is in the podcast feed. You cannot get it here. You have to listen to the podcast. You have to subscribe to the podcast, talking about Charlotte and Giovanni Miami and his fam coming to Charlotte for the playoff race, talking a little bit about formula one, Daniel Ricardo getting his first win. McLaren one, two, but really Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Max, what were you doing? Max, what were you doing? That was terrible. Max Verstappen had total red mist moment. Just bad pit stop, red mist, crashed him, and Lewis out. Crazy stuff. Uh, plus, we talked about my Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, guys. It was a tremendous victory for the Miami Dolphins We won. we won. Miami oh. the Dolphins. The greatest. Miami Dolphins, the greatest football team, are headed to the Super Bowl this year. Just a lot of fun with the Patreons on there. They support the show. Go to patreon.com WFO. Radio Also, Total Seal Piston Rings, Friday, 1 o'clock. Sportsman racers that watch this show, Lucas Oil Series Racers, the last time we did it at Indy, you couldn't participate because the Jags All-Stars were running. This will be a little bit different situation. So come on out to the Total Seal Pit at ZMAX Dragway, 1 o'clock. Uh, Ed Keebler from Rottler. And Lake Speed Junior, the world's uh, foremost knowledge on oil, oiling, and tribology, will be there holding a tech talk. I will be there as well, keeping the crowd warm and an occasional funny quip uh, in the Total Seal pit. Come on out there. Watch them work on the car. It is going to be great. And uh, you're going to learn a lot. And you're going to learn how to find more power by using Total Seal piston rings. Go to TotalSeal.com to find out more information. And you know, Hartford was bummed. Comes in out seven foul on the short end to Greg Anderson, Greg goes on to win uh, his 97th win. You know, Hartford's trying to win a championship, but hey, you run them on the racetrack, right? Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Start your education at full speed. Blockhead CNC programs, motorsport EFI tuning, proved to chain veterans under the GI Bill. If you are thinking about a career, check out Samtech. Marvin Rodak, Rodak's Coffee and Grills.com, hot sauces and spice rubs and coffee roasted fresh per your order. As in, hey, Marvin, I like extremely highly caffeinated coffee like Joe Costello does, and that's why he's drinking out of his nitro barrel coffee mug, right? He's always a little, because he's extremely caffeinated and naturally like that a little bit. Uh, 817-924-6821, like high strung. Give Marvin a call. So many great things, tools, tips, information. He'll be down there at the Texas Motorplex Stampede of Speed. Yeah call Marvin, get some coffee, try it out. And of course, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, our friends at Nitro Fish and the WFO Store. And if you want some free stickers, like if you don't want a face covering, which you should be wearing and it's mandatory now in a lot of places indoors again, mandatory again, get a WFO mask, 10 bucks. I'll throw some stickers in. WFO Radio Store on WFOradio.com. But right below it, you can find the free sticker link. Send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. Take care of all the busy work so I can just throw the stickers in there and send it out. And I'll send you some stickers for free. Simple as that. All right. We will go in depth on some of the Lucas Oil stuff later on today. And I will also go more in depth on the whole JR. Cruz situation because I was right there. Now, let's see what everybody has to say before we get up on out of here, before we bust out. Fleetree, Tree. Everyone take a drink when you see Joe on TV. One time deal. One time deal. I worked with the Fox crew. And you know, life is about experiences. I always say that, life is about experiences. This was a great experience. I learned so much about how the sausage gets made and they do a great job over there. I was honored. It was uh, really one of the great honors of my professional career. Uh, I've done a lot of great things and you know, when I write down the list of amazing things that I have done, like, you know, to stand on stage with Gene Simmons of Kiss and throw out swag to a crowd of people. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Gene Simmons of Kiss. You're so amazing. And, and guy next to him who is standing next to Gene Simmons, he, you're equally as great. Like, I felt like Paul Stanley, right? Like, who gets to do that? Like, there's a bunch of things that I've got. And this is one of them now. This is one of them. It was an honor uh, amazing stuff. Fabrizi. I need a sticker delivered to the pit. You will get two, sir. You will get two and maybe even more. And, uh, Tim, I, you know, I don't get to talk to him at the track at all. Tim, I really appreciate you listening to this show and great job with your team this weekend, like for force to be in the mix. Heck with these people who are over John force. I don't get you guys. John force is our greatest icon. And, uh, he's out there, genuinely competing at the highest level with shots to win the race. And he brought it to Tommy Johnson and Tommy Johnson was just better. was just better. And who's leading those points? Guess who? Good luck to you guys. Sarah out there, hung out with Sarah. You did a great job. Thank you very much. I'm still, uh, it's hard to watch. Honestly, it's hard to watch. I mean, it's not hard to watch me. Hopefully it was hard for me to watch me and everybody understands why, but I did watch and I was like, all right, you know, it's just like driving a car, man. Seat time, seat time. You need time. You need reps. You need time. You were definitely busy this past weekend. You were like everywhere. Well, there was only one on, on one reporter and that's the whole deal. There was one, one person. Um, yeah, that's the game we play when I'm on NHRA.TV, which I'll be back this week. And big thanks. I want to say thank you to Jason Galvin. This whole thing came together very rapidly. Like it came together very rapidly. And Jason Galvin made some changes in his schedule to be at the race because he knew it was going to be a great opportunity for me. And like, that's what the team atmosphere is. And uh, I say it, you know, more often So where were Fox's people this weekend? Well, Jamie, I don't know. Bruno was racing and Amanda was doing a Ferrari challenge. And it just, you know, it was one of those lucky opportunities. Go Seahawks. Very good. Uh, thanks, Joe and Alan. Go racing, Montana Carding. Montana Carding, represent. Cowboys covered. Cowboys covered. Yes, there you go. That's what matters. I want in on the Formula One conversations. Yeah, Michael Heiner, I'll bring you on. I will. We'll get the doc as well as we get. I I have trouble talking uh, Formula One with you, Michael Heiner, because you know so much more. I'm like a fan, casual fan, maybe even a little more than that. And you're an in-depth, extreme engineer knowledge. And so, but we're gonna put you to work. Whenever you're ready, I'll let you know. Kurt Johnson running Hot Rod Drag Week. Uh, Kurt Johnson, you know, Kurt Johnson. Carl Franklin is this TV Joe. Ha <laughs> ha. It was, let me tell you, a lot of people blew up my phone. Again, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because it was an experience that I had and I loved it a lot. And I did my, you know, absolute best. But watching back, I thought, oh, my God. If I got another shot at this, I would do a bunch of different things differently. Those are made for safety. Okay, let's see. Uh, okay, Mr. Fox guy, when interviewing someone at the top end, you start off with who is coming around the corner. I noticed man is starting to do this lately. It's a little bit annoying, confusing. Thank you, Derek. Thank you for telling me that I'm annoying, confusing you. Uh, where's the camera? What's What's the camera on? What is the people inside the little box that is the camera? What are they seeing? And that's one of the things that we noticed, you know, like that we're learning. It's Like, what are those people seeing? Maybe you should start out by mentioning what they're seeing. And um, that's part of it. Derek, I love my people. They definitely keep me uh, firmly planted on the ground. Graham Hall, number five in Portland. Yeah, and finished 10th, I believe. Steve Johnson and John Forrest, same interview, just imagine. No, no, we're not going to do that. Steve, the hobby racer, Johnson, going to win the championship, please. And Matt Smith is invited to the party. Woo! Is that really going to happen? I don't know. Everyone likes Steve Johnson. Steve's going to be on tomorrow. So, yeah, let me tell everybody this. Okay, first of all, we need your help. We need your help. Pretty sure they spelled his name wrong in the results. I don't know who you're talking about. Jalen, I hung out with Jalen. This guy's going to get his top alcohol. He's already driven a top alcohol funny car, been 200 miles per hour. But watch out for this guy, Jalen Dunn. Checked in late, Joe. Great job on TV. Thank you for talking with me and my wife. Very grateful for your time. We had fun. You kidding? It was awesome at the big uh, party. Super Street, small block, Kurt Johnson, 1991, four block. Okay, excellent. Leanne might go more into it than the doc. John Force is a national treasure. He is. Mountain Motor Pro Stock, at a few coming soon. Yeah, get ready for the schedule to be announced. They're very excited. Joe knows my name, Roger Richards. Not only his name, his sense of humor, all of that stuff. Let me get the music playing here so that I can get on out here. Because we're going to be back at two o'clock with Billy. Billy. And then Capco Boys and got some real questions about the Loser Appreciation Program. Everybody loved that, right? And I'll tell you why, but we'll we'll talk about that with Billy. Okay, WFO Universe, do us a solid, share this show, and let's get everybody back here for 2 p.m. Eastern Time with Billy Billy. Tomorrow, Wednesday, 11 a.m. Steve, 1 p.m. Greg Anderson, 3 p.m. Tommy Johnson. And all you experts on the social media, am I doing the right thing here? Like I'm doing them separate because I felt like Steve and Greg and Tommy each deserve their own separate show because each of their victories were milestone in their own way and shouldn't be connected to anybody else's. Whereas last week it was okay to have, a couple in on the same one because um, they're different drivers. What do you think about that? Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone. But hey, like the race team, time to think about Charlotte. Who's going to Charlotte? Well, time to move forward. I always look forward to Tuesday after the race. You know, you do a great job. Yes, we are great. We're great people. Same people, reason people hate the Cowboys, Lakers, or Force. Exactly. But I got something very annoying that happened in one of the John Force groups that I'll share with you. Somebody posts a photograph of shoots fully deployed at a strike. Why did John pop the shoot early? He lost the race. And 150 people commented on it. And it was a picture of the wrong strike. It was the 1320, not the thousand foot. So there's 150 angry, bitter people that were just misinformed by one guy who put up the wrong photograph. What other things does that happen with?